Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, welcome to the Armor Report. I'm your host, Brett Rosenthal. This is a show about stock market investing for those of you who don't know. Armor stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research, A-R-M-R. This is, in essence, quantum mental investing. We're putting together quantitative execution, fundamental foundation, and that's what creates our information edge that we're sharing with you. Now, what I share are um, ideas and tools and information that I use on my trading desk all day. You get a live look in. I'm managing my own capital, and I manage capital for investors through interactive brokers in our relationship there. Surrounded by screens, phones might ring. Bear with me. This is a live look into a trading desk. Um, Don't forget. What I'm sharing with you is my experience and my knowledge over 30 years of doing this. I'm not telling you exactly how to invest your assets. I don't know you, so I couldn't possibly do that. This is more education and understanding. So what we're going to discuss today, the topics for discussion, basically can break it down to three pieces. First, we go over our risk monitor. What are our algorithms saying about adding or subtracting risk. We always start there because managing risk to us is the information required in today's market to outperform and to build net worth over a long period of time. So we always try to manage risk first, capture upside second. So we're going to go over those proprietary algorithms and share with you how we're changing our allocation, if we are at all. Then we're going to skip over to passive investing, you know, basically investing in dividend stocks. I'm going to walk you through step-by-step step how we buy dividend stocks on this desk, and I'm going to share with you some, um, some screenshots so you can see what it looks like, and then you can start on your own doing research looking for those setups. And then, of course, we're going to wrap up with cannabis. Now, I wasn't intending to discuss about uh, cannabis today. I was going to focus on just passive income, but piece of news dropped yesterday that's so important to me that I think is, is so important to the investing theme that I had to share it with you today. So I'll get to that a little bit later in the show. Um, let's start with a discussion about the stock market and our algorithms, right? We've been on this you know, cautious risk-on approach for the last five weeks. Those of you who don't know, what that means is we're out there focusing our, our, our efforts on investing in dividend payers. Um, briefly, the, the um, view from 30,000 feet, the reason we're focused there is that we have over 30% of the world's debt at negative interest rates and massive pension liabilities forcing a huge amount of money into corporate and and um, to corporate debt and corporate equity, 
Okay, so on our desk, we like to trade equity and invest in equity. And so we're looking at dividend paying stocks. Nothing's changed in that regard. But if you follow me on Twitter, and I suggest you do that at Brett Rosenthal, at B-R-E-T Rosenthal, you'll know from yesterday that we are beginning to hedge our aggressive portfolios. When I mean aggressive, what I mean is hedging is not for everybody. And when I say hedging, what I mean again is we are shorting an index to help us manage our risk and volatility with the rest of our portfolio. It's not an outright short. I'm not calling for a bear market. All I'm saying is uh, at this stage in the game, the air is thin on this rally. For the last 22 months, when we get up to these levels in the market, it's prone to air pockets and sell-offs. So on the one hand, we're building a portfolio of high dividend payers. And I'm going to walk you through step-by-step step how to do that in a minute. But on the other hand, in some portfolios where we have a more exposure, in other words, we're putting more money to work, I want to hedge some of that risk. Okay? So for a conservative portfolio, we may be holding, in fact, not may, we are holding more cash. So I don't need to short to hedge risk. But in an aggressive portfolio where I've put more capital to work, I'm going to use a shorting technique to hedge my exposure. And I'm beginning to do that. These are a lot of um, the things that I'm talking about on this desk. For those of you who are new investors, um, sometimes it's difficult to follow along. What I'm doing is building a website to help bring all this information together for you, okay, and then take it a step further. It should be up and running in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be armorreport.com, A-R-M-R report.com. On that site, there'll be free tools for you to, to, to listen to these conversations on YouTube, but then actually look at it and write in and help you walk through positions. If you'd like to subscribe to the Armor Insider, that's where there's going to be information derived from this trading desk that I share just with subscribers. It's a whole other topic. But suffice it to say, we are beginning to hedge if we feel we have uh, a lot of exposure in the equity market, okay? And what we're doing is we're using uh, the, the small cap index. So here's a picture of the small cap index for you. And I showed this to you two days ago. I think it bears repeating. You can see we're at the top of the channel. So it's very easy for you to understand why we're beginning to look to hedge. This is actually an older chart pattern from yesterday or two days ago. So what really happened yesterday is a is a move higher, reverse lower. And that was the trigger to get me to start putting on a short position. Okay. Um, and depending how the stock market acts over the next 48 hours, I might be doubling that position or I might be taking my hedge off and say, okay, market's going to go higher. But when we have a run to the top of a channel, a gap up that reverses down, which we had yesterday, I start hedging for portfolios who have a lot of exposure. All right, let's move on. I want to take you through step-by-step step how to buy dividend stocks. And we're going to do it with a review of some of the discussions we've had in the last month or two 
on this channel. Okay? I want you to look at these charts because now you have a chance to see what I've been telling you and what the stocks have done. And then you could try to emulate this if you're going to do it on your own. Obviously, for Armor Insiders, that report's going to have what stocks match this setup that we'll be buying soon, what we call the whiteboard, the Armor whiteboard. You'll see what stocks look like this setup where we've done the fundamental research and feel these names fit the profile for these types of returns. So what we're trying to do is capture blue chip names that have suffered a sell-off that fundamentally we believe is transient. And we're using that weakness where the yield pops up to put the stocks in the portfolio, lock them in for long-term if we can. Let's take a look at ABV, ABBV. These are examples now. And what I want you to do is look at the charts, take a mental image, and notice how all of these charts look the same both on a longer-term picture and the very short-term picture. So I highlighted for you in that green box where we were buying this stock. Take a, take a look. Take a minute to look at it. Okay. Somewhere below $70 a share is where we were buying the stock with a yield of over 6.8. I think 7% at the time. Okay, the stock is now 81. So what we did there is we captured $10 of advance so far in our principal, and we have a 6.7% yield in the portfolio. That's how you buy dividend stocks right. What you see here is a long-term decline Fund, there's fundamental reasons for that decline. The management team has addressed those reasons, and we get that double bottoming action where the market, the, the stock bottoms, rallies, pulls back, makes a higher low. That's in that green box there, if you can see it. And that's where we put our position on. Let's take a look at the next one. This is IVZ, Invesco. Stock's been suffering, as you can see. It's a long-term chart here. For a number of years, stock got destroyed. Boom, boom, boom. Now it sets up a double bottom. It's a little bit different the chart pattern. In this case, it didn't make a higher low. It made a double bottom in that green box. Okay. We have a yield in that, in that situation of over 7% that we locked in, something like 7.5% we were buying that stock. Okay? Look at the chart pattern. I'm leaving it up there because I want you to see it and, and burn it into your brain. That's the entry point. We were paying 16 and change for the stock, 16 and low change, 16, maybe 16 and a quarter. Okay? Stocks 18 and change. Do you see the similarity there? Stocks down dramatically over a long period of time. In our fundamental opinion, after doing our research, we thought that's transient. Okay? So when management addresses the issues and changes it, which they did with an acquisition, we look for that double bottom setup 
and we lock in a yield of 7.5%. Now, let's do something a little uh, more recent. Here's a, a new offering. This is Dow Chemical, D-O-W. The chart's not as long because it just literally got spun out to the public recently. I think like six, five, six months ago. But notice how it sets up the same type of double bottom, in this case, a higher low. And it's the same type of issue for Dow. Now, here we're collecting a yield of better than 5.5%, almost, I think, 5.9% when we first bought the stock. Okay? We own the stock under 50 Right, the stock's 54 and change. So there's three very obvious examples. Let me see if I have one more for you. Oh, I do. Let's take a look at Schlumberger. There's Schlumberger, right? Big blue chip company, energy space, dominates um, when it comes to world servicing of uh, uh, oil fields, okay? Stock's been plummeting for a long time. Sets up a double bottom. Fundamentally, we think energy stocks represent a ph phenomenal risk-reward at this point. We put the position on. Same type of chart pattern. Major selling, but we believe transient. We believe there's a turn coming in the space. We look for that double bottom. Same situation. We pay under 34 for the stock. The stock is 35 and change, 36. Okay. We're collecting a yield of you know, 6% plus. That's how we build step-by-step. Step. Let's go through it. Grab a pen, piece of paper. You can write this down. We'll go through it step-by-step. Step. step one, blue chip company in a business that you believe is sustainable. You don't see me showing you a picture of Macy's here. Okay? The yield's 9%. I have no interest in Macy's. I think department stores like Macy's are dinosaurs. That's not a business I have an interest in. I could be wrong, but that's just for me on my trading desk and the research I'm doing, I won't buy that stock. But when it comes to an Invesco or Schlumberger, oil field servicing is a necessity. It will be for a long time. I just read a wonderful piece in <laughs> the Business Insider, it made me laugh so hard. One of the um, uh, very successful fund managers that they interviewed, this quote was just so phenomenal. I loved it. He made the comment. Hold on a second. We're on the live trading desk, and the market's getting whacked in the last couple of seconds. I'm just curious what that story was and if it affects my positions. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's okay. But this is kind of why I'm out there hedging and shorting uh, small caps. It's the best way to hedge. For me, I got a big cap dividend portfolio. I'm shorting small cap index to hedge it. Okay, sorry, I digress. Anyway, he's, he, he really, the quote was fantastic. He said, look, um, in the world today, it seems like there's a, um, collective hallucination that there's an energy transformation to renewables a collective hallucination. It may happen over a long period of time, but fossil fuels are here to stay and the demand will be going up. 
Okay. So my point is I look for blue chip businesses, stock, step one, blue chip business that you believe in. Step two, stock has suffered dramatically. Step three, whatever's caused that suffering, we believe is transient and management's addressing it. So in many of these instances, whether it be AbbVie or whether it be um, Invesco, they made acquisitions to try to address the issue on the street. In the other investments, management's come out and said, we are going to be lowering our debt and giving more uh, um, uh, cash back to shareholders. So shareholder-friendly information coming from management. Step one, blue chip business you believe in. Step two, the business has suffered for a transient reason. Step three, management is addressing the issue. Step four, those chart patterns, okay? Look at them again, Schlumberger, double bottom. Dow, okay? Close-up picture of a higher low that sets up. Invesco, clear double bottom. AbbVie. Beautiful setup. Okay, those are the charts you're looking for. So you got to do your own homework. You got to find those charts that match up with those four steps. And then I guess you could add parentheses fifth step. Make sure the yield is high enough to make it worthwhile. For me, it's right now 5%. Anything better than 5%, I'll look at. Something less than 5%, not so interested. Okay? Um... Okay, so that wraps up the steps on how to buy dividend stocks correctly on our trading desk. And then once you've locked in those yields, trade them however you want. We had one subscriber said he bought Ford and, and um, um, Simon Group last week, and he's already up on the stocks because they popped. He, 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 you know. This is not about trading, and he understands that. This is longer term, take a position, um, and, and, um, um, and collect that yield over time. But sometimes you get that pop. I know a lot of people that would sell their AbbVie for an $11 gain in the stock and say, I've just locked in my dividend payout for X amount of years. Okay, but I'm not doing that. I think AbbVie is on the right path, and I want to collect that dividend for years. Okay. Um, oh, here it comes. Here it comes, guys. And this is exactly why I'm telling you that we're hedging positions now and we're shorting for people who have aggressive uh, holdings. The story just hits the tape, you know, that Trump and she might not be able to sign until the end of December. Da 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 da. da. So let's review why we're hedging again. Let's review why we say on our risk monitor. Why we say the air is thin up here, be careful. The time to buy stocks maybe five or six weeks ago. Now time to be defensive. For aggressive portfolios, we're shorting because those types of stories start to hit the tape. When we're at the bottom, near the 22-month lows, the stories that start to hit the tape isn't such a surprise. Oh, Trump and she are agreeing, and there's phase one deal, and everything's going to work out, right? Then we get to the top of the channel. Uh, maybe they're not going to be able to sign the deal. It's the same 
ridiculous behavior over and over for 22 months. It's made it very difficult to invest. If you're a swing trader, all you know, if you're trying to put capital to work and have a, a conscientious understanding of stop losses, stops keep getting hit in this market. Stories like this come out, the whole market implodes over the next you know five trading sessions, and your head's spinning. So what we're trying to do is buy stocks down dramatically that are not so tethered to the stock market where we can collect that yield through difficult times and then hedge it with a short of the small cap index. And generally speaking, the reason for that is small caps will go down more than big cap stocks when the market starts to implode. And that leads into my next discussion. Let's move on to the cannabis space now. Our favorite discussion, right? It's a long-term investment thesis on our trading desk. And in fact, on the armorreport.com, there will be a cannabis section just for you guys. That's going to be a free section. All I'm going to do on that section is I'm going to be talking about and writing about the most important cannabis news of the day from an investor's standpoint. Okay? Okay, before I get into it, I've got a great question. Thank you. Someone just asked me the question, what's happened to uh, um, Erez? Thank you for asking that question. What happened to uh, Charlotte's Web? Okay. So before I get into the discussion about cannabis and the, and the most important piece of news that came out yesterday from a long-term bullish perspective, I'm glad you brought that up. My stops have been hit. Okay. I'm out of the stock. And it's a good point. I'm glad you bring this up because when we talk every day on this show and when I share with you information that's getting me to put money to work, I always have stop losses on every position, no matter how great I think the investment, because guess what? Sometimes I'm going to get it wrong. We're all going to get it wrong. You can't force your will on the market. You have to recognize when the market um, is telling you something else is going on in the stock. And so for right now, I've stepped out. To answer your question directly, um, I think probably the biggest issue is one of their competitors had an earnings announcement recently that was disappointing. Ah, I can't remember the name of the company right now. It's an Australian company, and DJ would tell us. If he's listening to this, type in what the symbol is. I forget right now. But anyway, on their earnings announcement, it looked like their CBD sales were slowing. And so I think the street's concerned that Charlotte's Web's numbers are not going to impress. And I think they announced on the 13th or 14th of this month. And people are getting out of Dodge. I don't know if they're going to impress or not. I use stop losses to protect myself from myself, right? You know I love this idea, and I use the product. But I'm not going to sit in the stock if it hits my stop. So I'm out. Now let's talk about um, – it's not CBSI, although that's a good idea. It's, um, it's an Australian company. Elixinol. Elixinol, is that the name of it? Somebody help me here. It's, it could be Elixinol. But um, – 
you know, they had a terrible quarter. I shouldn't say terrible. They just came in below expectations. And so I think the street's concerned that the whole CBD business maybe not going to grow as fast as people thought. I, you know, in my opinion, I think Charlotte's Web is the best brand. And so I think they're going to still knock it down. But I don't know, and I'm not going to hold the stock if it hits my stop. So I'll have to step out, reassess, um, look for a better entry point. That's what I'm going to do. But let's get to the cannabis piece of news that I think is incredibly important. Oh, that's it. Hey, thank you, Southeastern 99. That's the one. E, well, uh, exactly, that symbol right there. Thank you. Okay. Check out their earnings announcement. It disappointed a bit, and I think that's scaring people on the whole uh, hemp CBD space. Okay. Um, I tweeted this out yesterday. I want you to read this headline. Okay, that's Business Insider, which is a great website, by the way. I subscribe to it. I think they have great stories. Read that headline. Some cannabis stocks now have the green light from U.S. wealth managers like Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, and Wells Fargo. The single biggest issue, and I with the cannabis space, and I sent you guys who are all subscribed to the free Armor Report, which you can just go to our website and get a free subscription. I just, I send out what I feel is important action alerts when I, when I um, come across things, whether it be cannabis or, you know, stock market related. And I sent out a report to you guys a while ago, the top five issues in cannabis that were bothering me, that were weighing on the stocks, and they had to be resolved. And one of the major issues, I think it might have been the first issue I labeled, was the lack of institutional support in the space and the illiquidity of the space. And what we need is to see investment banks recommending stocks, allowing people to invest, bringing in institutions. And because of the legality issues, most of these banks, and you guys might remember this from a call maybe a month ago, I highlighted Bank of New York Mellon put out a report to all of their uh, investors saying you cannot own cannabis stocks in your portfolio, which I thought was amazing. They wouldn't let you own any uh, CSE stock, right? It was a whole story about U.S. cannabis companies you can't own. Okay? And in a number of instances, these companies won't let you buy cannabis investments. But now they're opening the doors for investors to put capital into cannabis companies. Okay, there's the headline. Now you read through that story, and they're going to tell you caveats, and they're going to explain how they're going to let you do it. I don't care. It's the step in the right direction. One of the caveats is it has to be a buy-recommended stock by somebody on the street for one of the companies out there. Another caveat was, I think it was Merrill Lynch or somebody, you know, you can't, you can't solicit a cannabis investment, but if a client calls to ask you, you can now put money in the, in the stock, whereas before they had to turn them away, um, which, I thought was, which I thought was interesting. And the reason was when they polled high net worth investors, better than two-thirds of those investors were demanding access to cannabis stocks, and they couldn't get them, right? So they, go, had, to, they had to go open an IB account. 
or a trade, uh, a, um, TD Ameritrade account in order to buy the stocks. And obviously, these wealth managers didn't want to lose that business, number one. And number two, I think in the next couple of years, it's expected that U.S. consumers are going to spend $30 billion in the space. And there's no doubt these investment banks want a piece of the investment banking action going forward. So step one is to allow people to start investing and to bring in institutions now, if you want to understand how important institutional investing is, I'm going, to share, I'm going to share with you a picture. It doesn't get more obvious than this. This is a chart of innovative properties, IIPR. I challenge you to find any cannabis stock that has an upward trajectory like this. You won't find one cannabis stock that has an uptrend like that. How do you explain it? Company is a REIT, real estate investment trust, buys cannabis properties, leases them back to the companies that they buy them from, giving those companies a lot of cash. Okay, in a cash-strapped world where it's hard for cannabis companies to raise capital, this is a no-brainer way for them to do it. Most recently, IIPR started doing some serious business with TrueLeave, which you all know is one of my favorite MSOs. Look at that upward trajectory. Now, tell me, please tell me, if you can find a chart that looks that good. You can't. Now, why does it look that good? Let me share it with you. Okay, ready? Take a look at that. Take a close look. Look at the institutional stock ownership of the stock. 80 8.7% of the shares are owned by institutions. The top two guys that own what looks like, what, 23% of the company is BlackRock and Vanguard. Here endeth the lesson. If you wanted to question me about how important institutional sponsorship is, the stock price is going up. There's the picture. MJ's collapsing. All of these names everyone loves that are retail names are getting destroyed. And the stock that has a massive uptrend, don't tell me it's because it's a REIT and it pays a dividend. That's not the reason. It's because BlackRock and Vanguard and whomever feel this is a way for them to get cannabis exposure without violating any rules, and so they've stepped up heavily and invested in that stock. And so when you get institutional sponsorship, you get moves like that. Why? Because institutions have big pockets, and so what they do is every time that stock sells off and pulls back, they're out there buying the stock, supporting it. Then, of course, it's gotten out of hand on the upside with the rest of the group imploding, so it's come down. Now, you may remember that I was going to do an Armour Report Action Alert free send it out to you about this company because I wanted to recommend it when it was $95 a share. And I couldn't do it. And I came on this show on Monday morning. I remember it was Monday morning. I said, hey, guys, not this past Monday, but I don't know, a month ago. And I said, I cannot recommend it at $95 a share because I found too many things disturbing in their, in their 10K. Disturbing is too strong a word. There, I found things that were um, um, – that had to be ironed out in the company. And so I just wasn't going to buy the stock at, the, at that price. Also, 
their customers to date weren't the most robust names. Since I had that comment and those and that conversation with you, the stock has dropped twenty dollars. Okay, so that was right. But their business model is getting better because they're starting to do business with top tier MSOs like TrueLeaf. And when you look at the ownership institutionally, you know you've got support there. So I've got to put that back on the whiteboard. I'm not buying it today. But when this investment theme takes off again, the stock with the biggest institutional support, in my estimation, will be the one that performs the best. So that leads me to end this conversation like this. Oh, and I wanted to show you this. Did I put it up here? Oh, I might have missed it. I was going to show you a picture of a Kenner Fitzgerald came out with um, recommendations in the space. So you're starting to get brokerage firms that are reputable recommend stocks, and they re they're recommending Kronos. And just yesterday, we saw um, Cantor Fitzgerald recommend Organogram, which, as you know, on my whiteboard, one of my favorite names. They only have the highest margins of any producer in, in, in Canada, which I keep telling you about. So these are facts to remember. These are longer-term in picture. We're starting to get capital flowing into the space. We still have end-of-year tax loss selling. We still have earnings to get through. You guys are asking me about GWPH and why it's falling on earnings. Um, yeah, I, I've never recommended owning GWPH. It's a biotech stock, okay? And they trade, uh, you know, in a bizarre fashion. I thought that the earnings announcement was decent. I think they're doing a good job with Epidiolex. But, you know, they got to spend a lot in order to um, um, I know they're working on other trials to prove that their CBD drug will work on other diseases. This all costs a lot of money, yada, yada, yada. So um, it's a biotech stock. And um, it's never been a place that I'd wanted to invest when it comes to cannabis, like pure cannabis plays. It just behaves differently. Um, if it got cheap enough, I might want to own it again. My guess is in the future, they'll have other positive trial results that CBD works. But for right now, I'm not touching it. Okay. So um, let me just wrap up with another question from a, um, a viewer who wanted to know uh, about SOX, Semiconductor Index, SOXX, and do I use that as a guide for the overall market? I'm going to tell them I don't right now, and I don't have a lot of time to explain it. Sorry it took me this long to get to it. I'll start Friday's discussion with a more detailed analysis of why the semiconductor index is not one of the top seven indexes we use to drive our risk management decisions. It's a good index. I do follow it, but it's not one of the top tier that we use in our algorithms to determine our risk. Thanks for being here today, guys. I look forward to talking to you again on Friday, 1130. Have a great day trading. Be safe out there.